With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome to Rams Up. This is an L.A. Rams podcast. We'll touch on other SoCal sports news of merit, but it's mostly about the Rams here. Thank you for joining us. You can reach us at ramsuppodcast at gmail.com and visit our website at laramsup.com. And please don't forget, subscribe and give us that five-star rating. We really appreciate it. Let's get to it. Greetings, Ram fans. Let's get another episode underway here. As promised last week, we're going to have a review of the Rams schedule that was released last week. Go through it pretty thoroughly for you. What we like, what we don't like. We also have my favorite play, number six. The countdown continues. And we bring back our fearsome four questions to share with everybody and the answers, of course. A couple of weeks ago, we provided our list of roster battles to look forward to. Next week, what I'm going to do is provide a list of my roster locks, the, a list of the guys that are locks to make the roster. Let's get through some local SoCal sports news before we get to the Rams. Trevor Bauer calling out the Dodgers. That was kind of interesting. It seemed to work. Dodgers bounced back with two straight wins, seemed to be turning things around. And then he tweeted, best team in baseball the last two days. Let's go. Guy likes to push buttons and have fun, that's for sure. NBA playoffs starting. 
Clippers, as the number four seed, will face off against Dallas. The Lakers get one of those playing games. They will host the Warriors as the seven seed. That's seven versus eight. If they win that, they secure the seven seed and go on and play Phoenix. If they lose, they play the winner of the nine versus ten playing game. That's the Spurs Grizzlies. If they can win that one, they would play Utah in the first round of the playoffs. If they lose that one, meaning if they lose to the Warriors and then lose to the winner of the Spurs-Grizzlies game, they're done. Done for the year. That's not something LA sports fans or the NBA wants to see. But Lakers-Warriors, one game plan, that should be fun. Lakers are favored by seven was the last line I saw. The Dodgers picked up Albert Pujols. That really surprised me. Supposedly, Pujols has agreed to come on board and basically be used as a right-handed pinch hitter and occasionally play first base. So we'll see how that goes. It seems like for a decade, the Dodgers have had a soft spot against left-handed pitching. Continues this year, especially off the bench, pinch hitting. See if Pujols can contribute there. I have my doubts. NFL news. Not a lot to report on the Aaron Rodgers and Deshaun Watson fronts. We'll still keep tabs on that. Nothing to report here this week. I wanted to mention Tampa Bay and the love they are getting. And while I agree Tampa Bay should be probably the NFC favorites, I think they're getting a little more love than they deserve. Someone pointed this out, and I was unaware of this, but if you look at how their season went last year, I'm not so sure they are the formidable opponent a lot of people think they are. Let's look at the results from last year. They had early wins against the Panthers, Chargers, Packers, Giants, Raiders, and Broncos. And they also had early losses to the Saints and Bears. So a couple good wins there, Chargers, Packers, even the Raiders. Losses to the Saints, a good team, and the Bears, middle of the pack. Then they lost to the Saints, Rams, and Chiefs. They beat the Panthers. So they go into their final four games with a 7-5 and five record, with two quality wins, in my opinion, over the Packers and Chargers. And I would argue when they beat the Chargers, the Chargers had not yet established themselves as a quality team. They were still getting their footing, so not sure how much credit we want to give the Bucks there. And then their last four. So they're 7-5, and five and they go into these last four games, and they win them all. Pretty impressive, huh? Those four wins were against the Falcons twice, the Vikings, and the Lions. Then they beat the Redskins, Saints, Packers, and Chiefs. Got to give them credit for that. So how good is Tampa Bay? I'm not sure. I mean, give them credit. They had the Chiefs number, that's for sure. I do not have a problem with them being the NFC favorite, but I think we need to pump the brakes on this upcoming dynasty out there in Tampa Bay. Some Ram news. They're finally settling the uniform battles. Rams are going with seniority on who gets a number. I'm not going to get too much into that because, to be quite honest, I don't really care. I don't care what numbers they wear, and I don't care if my jersey is now obsolete as far as the number goes. Not a big deal to me. The Rams signed Matt Orzek off of waivers from the Titans. At that 
point. He was the third long snapper on the roster. He's from Menifee, California, by the way, played at Azusa Pacific. Originally signed by Baltimore after going undrafted. He's 6'2", 245. And immediately after that, the Rams released one of their other long snappers, Colin Holba, to get back down to two long snappers. And if anyone watched that schedule release show on NFL Network, I just got to say, that stadium fly-in at the opening of the show was just amazing. They had a drone approach the stadium and then fly through one of the openings and then over the field, and it was incredible. It almost looked like an animation. That stadium is beautiful. We'll talk about our schedule coming up, as I said. One interesting thing is Matthew Stafford played the AFC South last year when he was with the Lions. He'll play them again this year, two years in a row. Worth mentioning, the Lions went 1-3 in in those games. However, the Lions' defense gave up 36 points a game. I don't think that's going to happen with the Rams. And as I said, our major segment next week will be who are the locks to make the Rams roster? Don't forget to subscribe and give us that five-star rating. Back in a second. The NFL schedule was released last week, and as promised, we're going to take a close look at it. Now, we already knew who the Rams were going to play, but it's always interesting to see how the schedule lays out. And when I look at the schedule, I actually found a lot more things I liked about it than I did not like about it. I like that the Rams got five primetime games, two Sunday night football games, two Monday night games, and a Thursday night game. I really liked that we got a late bye, week 11. That's almost perfect. I think most coaches would want a bye somewhere around weeks 8, 9, 10, or 11. The later, the better in most cases. I also liked our two opening games, uh, Bears and then at Indianapolis, already favored by, I think, the latest line was 7.5 over the Bears. I expect the Rams to be favored at Indianapolis, but the Colts are a tough draw. They have an excellent offensive line, perhaps the best offensive line in the league. They have a very good defense. Carson Wentz, their new quarterback. So that'll be a fun game, interesting game to watch. Colts may actually match up well against the Rams, but that's a game that the Rams should be favored in, and I would hope they would come away with the W. I also like that they get the Buccaneers early. I like the fact that they get 10 games off before their first East Coast road trip. They play on a Thursday night, and then 10 days later, they're in New York for that East Coast game. I like the middle of that schedule, weeks 6, 7, and 8, Giants, Lions, Texans. Those are three games the Rams really need to win. They need to take advantage of these weak spots in the schedule. No more losses to teams like the Jets. If the Rams really expect to win this division and get some home playoff games, they can't afford to lose to teams like this. Let's get three in a row, Giants, Lions, Texans. From my analysis, I did not see the Rams playing any teams coming off a bye. 
what else did I like about the schedule? Not necessarily the Rams schedule, but the Niners have an early bye, week six. That's not ideal, so I like that. I also like the fact that they will potentially only have two cold weather games. They get Green Bay in late November and Baltimore in January. And they only have two East Coast trips, New York and Baltimore. That's very appealing compared to last year's, as we all know. There are a few things I don't like about the schedule. We only have two primetime games at SoFi. That's kind of a bummer. I'd like to show off that stadium. I don't like those last two games on our schedule, finishing at Baltimore and then hosting the Niners. Those could obviously be two very important games against two formidable opponents. And that Niner game, yeah, it's a home game, but we know there's going to be plenty of 49er fans there. So that's not the ideal way to close out your schedule at Baltimore and then home against the Niners. I don't like the fact that we get the Jaguars late. Trevor Lawrence and the Jaguars, the new young quarterback, he's going to have some games to get his footing in the NFL. I'd much rather play them early. If you remember, that was one of the teams I thought would be an ideal early opponent. On the other hand, at least by that time, we will have some tape on Lawrence, so that's a good thing. And this isn't really based on the schedule, but the way the rotation works, the Rams are a little bit unlucky. They get two second-place teams, Tampa Bay and Baltimore, while Seattle gets two first-place teams, Pittsburgh and New Orleans. And I think in both cases, the second-place teams are better than the first-place teams. So Seattle, the luckiest team to ever exist, gets a little lucky again. And while there's no super scary three-game stretch, I'm not thrilled about the four-game stretch, weeks two, three, four, and five, Colts, Bucks, Cards, Seahawks. That's a little tough. Rams got to come out of that with at least two wins, and they'll be fine. Some other observations you all might find interesting. Every Rams divisional road game is a primetime game. The Lions and Jared Goff visit on October 24th. That will also be interesting, and a request for all you Ram fans. Let's not boo Jared Goff. I really think it's uncalled for. I know there's going to be a lot of people in the stands that the automatic boo is going to get turned on. I just think it's unwarranted. This guy played well for us for the most part, got us into a Super Bowl, got us into the playoffs three times. He's been very active in the community, even after he was traded. Let's give him a stand. How about we give him a standing ovation instead? Jared Goff coming back to SoFi. No booing, please. I was also curious how the NFL handled the Chargers and Rams sharing a stadium. And from what I could tell, there's only one weekend where both teams play at SoFi. October 3rd, Cards at Rams. October 4th, Monday night, Raiders at Chargers. They've managed to separate them pretty well other than that. Obviously, they weren't going to play on the same day. They managed to keep them off the same weekend, except for that one instance. Patriots, three times they play teams coming off a bye. This has got to be payback. There are so many times where it seems like the Patriots benefited from some really nice scheduling by the NFL office. Not this year. They got it handed to them in this instance, and I'm perfectly fine with that. Those are my observations on the L.A. Rams schedule. 
Now, as far as predictions, it's kind of like a mock draft. It's fun. I'm not sure how useful it is, but I can't resist. What I like to do when I look at a schedule is I break it up into quadrants. It used to be quadrants anyways when we had a 16-game schedule. Now with a 17-game schedule, it doesn't really work that way. What I did was I looked at those first five, Chicago at the Colts, hosting the Buccaneers and Cardinals, and then at the Seahawks. I'm going to be conservative on how I want this to go. These first five, I'm hoping they come out of it three and two. Then they have that three-game stretch I talked about earlier, Giants, Lions, Texans. I'm not going to go conservative here. Rams go three and zero to get to six and two. Then they have the two games before the bye, the Titans and at the Niners. Those will be two tough ones. Let's hope they win one of them to get to seven and three. After the bye, they come back weeks 12, 13, and 14 at Green Bay, hosting the Jags and at the Cardinals. They go two and one in that stretch to get to nine and four. Over the last four weeks of the season, they host Seattle at Minnesota, at Baltimore, and then at home against the Niners. That's not a pretty stretch. Seahawks will be tough, as always. We are not quite sure what the Vikings will bring next year. I would expect them to be improved from what we saw in 2020. Baltimore is always formidable. It was not pretty last time we played them. That's for certain. That was the game where we could not stop their running game. That'll be uh, Jalen Ramsey versus Marcus Peters. Sort of, kind of. Then we get the Niners at home. And hopefully by then we will have broke their winning streak against us and We'll be going for a sweep. Conservatively, I would hope the Rams go 2-2 two and two to get them to 11-6, and six, which would be good enough for the playoffs for sure. Might not be good enough to win the division. However, these were all conservative guesses. Rams could be much better than this. Could come out with 12 or 13 wins. But as I break the schedule out, I see 11-6 as being the floor, I guess is what I'm saying. By the way, I kind of glossed over the preseason schedule. That's the Chargers and the Raiders at SoFi, and then at Denver. Up next, my favorite Rams play, number six. Time to continue our countdown of my 10 greatest Ram plays. Probably more aptly named my favorite Ram plays. These are the 10 plays that stand out to me. My favorite plays watching the Rams over all these years. You can go check out our website for plays 10 through 7, as well as the five honorable mentions. That website is ramsup.com, of course. This week we get to number six. I think I should give it a little history lesson so that everyone appreciates why this play was so important to me. Take it back to 2017. The Rams have not won the division, the NFC West, since 2003. They haven't had a sniff of the playoffs in over a decade. McVay comes on board. There's a lot of hope in town. Rams are off to a good start. But they lose to Seattle at the Coliseum. Heartbreaking game. 
Rams outplayed Seattle for the most part, turned the ball over five times. The one play that really stood out, Gurley reaching for the cone for the touchdown. Earl Thomas slaps his hand, slaps the ball away. So technically it's a touchback, no touchdown. Seattle takes over at the 20, one of those five turnovers. Seattle wins that game, and it was so painful to watch. We had so much hope playing the defending NFC champions in our stadium. Rams just made too many mistakes against a very good team. Couldn't pull it off. Very disappointing. But let's fast forward to December 17th, 2017. This time the Rams are at Seattle. How many of my favorite plays come against Seattle? God, they must hate us. As a matter of fact, I know they do. I know a couple of Seattle fans, and if there's one fan base that really doesn't like their team facing the Rams, it's Seattle. I can guarantee you that. Terry Bradshaw might not get it, but Seattle fans do. Rams come into that game 9-4 and four now. Seattle's 8-5, and five, but Seattle's already got a win against the Rams, so if they pull this one off, they're tied with the Rams, but they have a 2-0 record against the Rams, so they're in the driver's seat. If the Rams win... They have a two-game lead on Seattle, so this is obviously an extremely important game and probably more important to Ram fans just because of the fact we haven't been in the playoffs in so long. So what happens in this game? Rams go up 3 to nothing, 6 nothing, 13 nothing. Rams go up 20 to nothing. They go up 27 to nothing. We're still in the first half. The Rams are just spanking the Seahawks all over the field. And it's glorious. Rams get the ball back one last time in the first half. They have the ball at their own 43, third and 20. Going to hand the ball off, right? Yeah, of course they're going to hand the ball off. Probably the smart call up, 27 points. With only 30 seconds left, hand the ball off to your stud running back. Gurley takes the handoff, sprints through all three levels of the Seahawks defense. I don't know if anyone even touched him. It looked like the Seahawks had concrete on their shoes. Bobby Wagner tried to reach out and grab him. It's not happening. Gurley's in the end zone. Rams up 34 to nothing at halftime. It was just so enjoyable watching the Rams walk off that field at halftime up 34 nothing. By the beginning of the second half, that stadium had already started to empty out. The 12th man had disappeared, evaporated, and the Rams closed out that win. That run by Gurley, you know... Even up 27 to nothing, after all the Rams had been through over the last 10, 12, 13 years, I was still pretty nervous playing a team like the Seahawks. We all know what Russell Wilson can do. We all know about that Seahawk magic, especially at home. But when Gurley went off for that run, I knew it was over. And I knew at that moment the Rams were back. The Rams were a force in the NFL once again. And they were going to be a force moving forward. And that's exactly what has happened. Ever since that play, the Rams have been relevant, they've been a contender, and they've been a team that other teams do not want to face. And that run was really the hallmark of this new era, in my opinion. Another thing that's kind of special about that game, not necessarily related to that run, but Michael Silver wrote an article afterwards the same Michael Silver. A lot of people have been giving him some heat over the last year or so. He's the guy that butted heads with Troy Aikman. I happen to like Michael Silver. He's written some very good articles about the Rams. 
And after this game, he shared with everybody what McVeigh had to say to the team before they ran out to play the Seahawks. Very short speech McVeigh had for the team. It went something like this. Nothing needs to be said. We're ready. Let's effing go. I clean that up a little bit for you. How pumped was that Ram team when they walked out on that field? It's no wonder how that game went down. Rams trounced the Seahawks. And that 57-yard run by Gurley, that's when we knew it was real. The Rams were back. Let's have another round of our fearsome four questions. We skipped that last week. I think we have four good ones for you, though, today. Fearsome question one. Which draft pick is most likely to not make the roster? It's got to be one of those seventh-round picks, right? We had three this year, Jake Funk, Ben Skowronek, and Chris Garrett. Over the three previous years, the Rams drafted seven guys in the seventh round. Last year, it was Clay Johnston, Sam Slowman, and Tremaine Ankrum. Johnston is with the Panthers. Slowman was kicking late in the year. He may still find a home in the NFL somewhere, and Ankrum is still with the Rams. 2019, it was Dakota Allen, who is now with the Jacksonville Jaguars, and Nick Scott, who's still a contributor with the Rams, should play in an increased role this coming season. In 2018, it was Trevin Howard and Justin Lawler. Both missed last season due to injuries so they still have a shot at earning a spot on the Rams roster. So it would not be unexpected for one of these seventh-round picks to not make the team. Which one would it be, though, Funk, Skowronek, or Garrett? The advantage Funk and Garrett have is they can both contribute on special teams clearly. As far as a running back room, Funk has his work cut out from him, but he could beat out one of those guys. Garrett, he's proven that he can rush the quarterback just has to prove it he can do it on the next level, play outside linebacker, contributing coverage. So he's got a shot. The battle Skowronek is going to have is that crowded and talented wide receiver room. So I'm going to have to go with Skowronek as the answer here. I think he has an excellent chance of making this team. But if you forced me to answer this question which one of the Rams' nine draft picks is not going to make that 53-man roster, I'd probably have to say Skowronek. For some question two, which of the undrafted free agents has the best chance of making the team? I narrowed it down to three guys. Alaric Jackson, the offensive tackle out of Iowa, Jeremiah Hadel, the kick returner out of Texas State, and Jordan Meredith, the center out of Western Kentucky. Those are the three guys that I focused on. If Jackson can prove he's the guy to back up Andrew Whitworth and Rob Havenstein, then he can make this team. Hadel has to emerge as an extremely talented kick returner. That's his only shot. He did it in college. If he can earn the Rams' trust as far as ball security and juice up that return game, Hadel's got a shot. But I'm going to go with Jordan Merritt at the center out of Western Kentucky, and the reason why I think the Rams have a little bit of a void on the interior. They have bodies, but do they have the talent? Meredith could step in and possibly even win that center spot. 
certainly has a shot at earning a role as a backup center guard. So that's my answer, Jordan Meredith. Fearsome question three. Will Tim Tebow earn a spot on the Jacksonville Jaguars' final 53-man roster? No. Fearsome question four. Now that the schedule's been released, what game on the schedule are you most excited about? For most folks, the answer might be a Ram-Niner game, Seahawks-Rams, Tampa Bay coming to town, Lions-Rams, Bears-Rams. For me, it's that Sunday night in November when the Tennessee Titans come to town. A few reasons I'm interested in that game. Primary reason is this is a Super Bowl matchup. That's always fun. Number two, I would love to see Derrick Henry try to straight arm Jalen Ramsey. I'm not sure how that would go. Be really interesting to see two physical specimens, one a running back, another a beast of a cornerback. They're going to butt heads at some point, and that's going to be fun to see. The last time these teams played, by the way, was in 2017, the week after the Rams spanked the Seahawks in Seattle. That was the game that was highlighted in my greatest play number six a few moments ago. Greg Zerline hurts his back in that game, so the Rams bring in Sam Ficken, and they face off with the Titans. Ficken misses his first extra point, makes his next three. Rams win 27-23. to Jared Goff, three touchdown passes. This is the first game since then. Super Bowl rematch, Derrick Henry versus Jalen Ramsey. So that's the game. I'm interested to see the most. I mean, there's a lot of fun games coming our way. Those divisional matchups, especially, they'll all be good. But Rams-Titans, that's kind of special. That'll do it for our Fearsome Four Questions. That's going to do it for this episode. Remember, you can reach out to us at ramsuppodcast at gmail.com. Visit our website at ramsup.com. And please, subscribe and give us that five-star rating. We really appreciate it. And remember, keep the horns up, stay safe, and have fun out there.